0: Sort of kick us off this morning. We're going to hear from uh, two of our students and one of our leaders that joined us uh, last weekend as we went to Camp of Kovac. This was our third year going to Camp of Kovac. I'm not going to say a lot about it because I don't want to steal their thunder. Um, I'll just tell you sort of what we were focusing on last weekend was to renew, uh, was to renew our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. And what does that mean for each one of us? And how can we leave changed? And how can we renew daily? Uh, So I'm going to ask them to come up and share with you this morning sort of their experiences and impressions and how God moved their heart last week while we were at camp. Blakely?
1: Good morning. My name is Blakely, like Scott said. Before I begin, I'm going to say a joke to break the ice a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> so, why did the Scarecrow get a raise? Because he was outstanding in his field. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I went on this trip with my friend Emily, and at Camp Kovac, me and my friend created a stronger bond through Christ. On Friday, we went and had a big group, and in big group, we would sing songs, and Scott would give a little sermon, and on Friday night, Scott asked us to write down something on a sticky note, and we had to write it down. We had to write down something that we wanted to leave behind, and we stuck it on this door, and after we broke in, after that, we broke into small groups, and then my small group leaders were Kelly Dalton from here, and then BJ from Hopeful. During Saturday, we had breakfast at 8, and I think I think what was really cool about meals is that we would have, like, the leaders come up and give their testimonies. And after breakfast, we had small group. And then after small group, we had free time to do anything we wanted on the at the camp. And most people would play gaga ball. <laughs> so after lunch, we did the mannequin challenge. And that's when you, like, everyone freezes. And then they play a song. And then you record it. <laughs> but, yeah, so thought it was pretty cool. And after that, we played this game where our partners would hold us around our waist, and then we would try to run while our partners were holding us back. And after the first time, we got another partner, and we didn't know what the partner was for. So we did a second time, and no one asked for their partner's help. So we did a third time, and I called my partner for help, and he pulled me right out of my partner's arms. This game showed us that God is right there sometimes. We just need to ask for help to break us away from our sins. And that night, we had small group and then big group, and then big group that night was really moving, and I'm pretty sure almost everybody was crying. And that night was for prayer and forgiveness, and it was so amazing to see God, m- like, move the whole group. Scott asked us to take the sticky notes off the door and stick it on the cross, and I, I stuck mine on the cross because that weekend moved me, and, um... On Sunday, we had breakfast, and we had small group, and then large group, and after that, we went home. This was my first time and will not be my last. Thank you.
2: Good morning. My name is Liana, and this is my third year going to Camp Kovac. And each year is a different experience, just learning um, different skills that we can apply to our lives in general and to um, our spiritual walk. And this year we talked about renewal, renewal of the heart, the mind, the soul, and the strength. And I learned two very important things, and one of them is that um, renewal of the heart, the mind, the soul, and the strength must be done daily as an act of worship to the Lord. Um, and it's not just something that we do once a year at a youth retreat, but um, we have to do every morning. Um, and God taught me that every morning I have to wake up and say, "Here, God, I give you my heart, I give you my mind, my soul, and my strength, and ask that you renew them and use them for your purposes." Because um, in my own hands, they are destructive and um, sinful, but in your hands, I know that you can use them for your glory. And um, Paul says in Romans 12, one, find it. Sorry. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And I know that for me, a lot of times, I think of worship as, you know, singing praises to God, but. Um, clearly God says that worship is offering your bodies, your whole being to him, um, and entrusting that to him. And I know that, um, when I do so, I'm inviting God into my day, into my life, saying, here you go, here I am, God, use me as you see fit. And, um, I have some scriptures to share with you, um, for different ways to pray for renewal. Um, the first one is in Psalm um, 51. After David had a, um affair with Bathsheba, he prayed this to the Lord. He said, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And that is my prayer um, for a pure heart and a pure spirit um, so that God can use it. And then for a renewed mind. I would pray, um, God says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then in, I have two scriptures from Isaiah to share with you. Let me find the first. 33 2 it says oh lord be gracious to us we long for you be our strength every morning our salvation in time of distress and that is probably going to be my prayer for a very long time because <laughs> every morning i just too tired to get up <laughs> um and then in isaiah 40 31 it says but those who hope in the lord will renew their strength they will soar on wings like eagles they will run and not grow weary they will walk and not be faint amen yeah. And then the second major thing I learned is that the desires of our hearts feed the thoughts of our minds, which feed our words, which feed our actions. And um, so it's important to begin the day with a pure heart. And in Matthew 15, 18 through 19, it says, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, lander, and I know that I watch a lot of Hallmark movies, and they're all about love, and they say, you know, follow your heart, but um, God says to do otherwise, because, you know, out of the heart comes sin and um, destructive um, things, so it's important to um, uh, to not, to ask for forgiveness and um, start the day with a renewed heart, pure and clean. And then in Mar- Matthew 12:34 says, "You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks." Um, and we also learn that God cares most about our hearts. He cares about um, what's inside rather than our appearances, because. Like it says in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Um, So he wants us to have a pure heart so that all our actions can um, display his love and his grace. And once I do all those things, once I come to him and ask, um, you know, for pure hearts and um, a renewed mind and soul, then I will be able to follow his commandment in Matthew Twenty-two, thirty-seven. that says jesus replied love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind so. thank you
3: good morning i'm tony williams um a couple of months ago scott put a call out for somebody to help with the teenage boys and um I was looking for a way to get a little deeper involved, and I decided to help out back here, and I've been helping out since, I guess, about September. Um, it's been a blessing and a joy. Um, I um, I had the opportunity to go to Camp of Kovac. It was my first trip up there. Uh, it started out, we, we got in the van, and we were listening to 90 Joy. I had a whole van load of kids, and uh, and George was in the seat next to me. And We crossed Afton, and we, and we, lose, uh, we lose 90 Joy at Afton Mountain. But I had insight, because I had just been in Bath County the week before, that, uh, there was a christmas station on already and i love me some christmas music so um we had the we started playing christmas music and um about the third or fourth song in, i look around and george he's got this scowl on his face and i said what's the matter george don't you like christmas music he said no i said how can you not like christmas music it is such a cheerful time of year he finally gave in after he figured out it wasn't going away and he started singing three or four songs later so we that was that was how we started off um We got up there um, that night, and um, and the the program uh, was run pretty much by Scott and Sean Fabling. Sean's uh, the youth pastor at Hopeful Baptist Church. We carried 26 people. Um, They carried about 20-ish, 2022. I don't know what their exact count was. Um, Sean did most of the singing uh, and playing with the worship music along with his sister, Jessie, and Scott did a lot of the the preaching. Uh, Just a wonderful time. On Friday night... The kids were asked to take a yellow sticky note and, um, and list their burdens on a yellow sticky note, and there was a door, and, and Scott asked them to post them on the door if they felt so inclined, and uh, we did that again the second day, and, and there there was more, and, and the, the whole door, if you can imagine, just filled with yellow sticky notes, um, and you go up there and you read them, and, and the stuff that's on there would break your heart um, that these, our teens and our high school and middle school students are, are burdened with, with some of these things. So I'm going to read a. A few here, uh, not believing in God, stress, anger, frustration. Parents was on there, moms and dads was on there. Um, less hatred for people, and self hate. Um, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's kind of a testimony to um, to our world today. Um, we um, we. Our kids leave our home, our nice little confined home. we send them off to school or we send them off to wherever they go during the day and, and the world meets them and and if you haven't prepared them well, um, the world's going to meet them in a way that you don't want them to meet them um, and Our goal in the youth group is to um is to provide a foundation so that they know how to respond um, when they when they get met with the world um, You know the um sat Sunday morning, I guess it was. Um, Scott asked them if if they wanted to take those notes and and get them off the door and and get those burdens off of them and and leave them at the foot of the cross where they should be left and um I would say most of them most all of them left um The biggest thing is you know we sang a song this morning as we lift our hands, will you meet us here um and the answer is yes, God will meet us wherever we need to be met and um and and we just need to get this message across to our to our youth and and we're trying to do that, and it's it's a lot of fun. I've had a I've had a blast all fall with you, and I'm looking forward to more time. So um, we appreciate um, y'all supporting our youth group the way you do. Uh, we encourage you to to get involved too. Um, you know I, I wasn't involved at all. In fact, I was I was probably negative on the youth group. Um, if you want to know the truth about it, um, I, I just I felt like that's not something I really wanted to put my time and effort into. But I've, I've seen so much fruit that c- can come out of it if we. Uh, if we just be faithful in the small things. So thank you so much.
0: Uh, thank you uh Tony, liana and Blakely for sharing this morning. I'm not going to say uh, too much more about Camp Acoba. I want to show a couple pictures um, of what uh Tony was uh, speaking to. Um he mentioned the uh, the door and being covered with the uh, sticky notes. And here, here's a, uh, one of the pictures of that. And uh, he also mentioned some of the things that were, were on the door. And really the focus of this, and, and again, you heard it this morning from the students and from Tony, was you know, everything starts in our heart. Um, what does our, our heart run towards? Um, and so many times our, our heart runs towards sin. Our flesh um, is, is built in a way that we run towards sin. And we asked the students, if you had 20 minutes, just 20 minutes of free time, what would you run towards? What would you actually spend your time on? And if you're being honest with yourself, is it some of the things you wrote up there? Do you, do you find yourself running towards sin instead of running away from it? And is there something that actually is there that sort of is a stopgap that just says, wait a minute, what are you doing? Why are you living this way? Why do you want to spend time, energy, and effort on this? Because I'm so much better. And if you don't have that, then why not start today? Um, and as you heard, I forget which one of them said it, but it was great. It uh, shows, shows that they definitely were listening this weekend or last weekend. Um, the heart does feed the mind. Um, and then, of course, our mind sometimes, unfortunately, likes what we're feeding it and wants more of it. Um, and you saw the students um, say over and over again, they want, want to leave that at the cross. Um, and then in the next picture, you can see the picture of the, the cross and where um, many of them left it. Now, we told them, don't do not do this because I'm up there asking you, Okay. I don't need nice pictures. Um, I don't need a good show. I I need you to be obedient to whatever God is is telling you this morning. And if you're in a place where you're like, you know what, I'm just not ready. This is really deep inside of me, and I'm not ready to give it up. Leave it on the door. But let's pray together for it. Um, So I have these, and I'm going to be sharing with our leaders, and we've committed to pray, to take these uh, specific items and pray for the students um, because we want their faith to be their faith. We want them, to, when they graduate, that they have a faith that is strong. It's not their parents' faith. It's their faith. Because the only way they're going to step out into this world and be able to counter the culture around them um, is to have their own strong faith. Um, that's what we're going to be talking about more about this morning um, is countering the culture. And actually, you can go to the last picture real quick. This is just a picture of Saturday night. Um, and um, I think Blake, Blakely said this about everybody cried. And she was right. Um, it, it was amazing. So uh, I purposely, Sean and I talked about it. Uh, we felt like we had spent the night before the entire day uh, building fertile ground. Um, that night, the message was very short. I made it very specifically 20 minutes, and then we were just going to see what God did. Uh, we were in there for about an hour and 45 minutes. Most of that was the invitation, the response, because um, the students, we had an open mic, and students would just come up and share their, uh, what had happened in their life, how God had moved them, Um, Some stories that were just amazing to hear, Um, and just people in groups praying together and in tears. Um, And you ever, you ever know, you ever have one of those times where you needed a good cry, you didn't know you needed one. Anybody ever have that? That happened to me that night. Like I I was, you you know, I'm in charge, right? I'm in control. I've got this. Holy Spirit starts taking over. My family's like, "Hey, let's pray together." We're praying actually over there by the sticky notes. Next thing you know, I am just sobbing uncontrollably. Um, just, just uh, thinking about what these students are going through, but my own children—three you know, I mean, of them were with me at the camp, two of them are standing there praying with me—and um, I am just uncontrollably sobbing. And my son just grabs me, and man, it just got worse um, as I just held him um, because you know, he was my firstborn, and you know I could think about him as being a little baby, and I'm sitting there holding my little baby, right? And then My 165-pound baby, um, and uh, and I just—you know—I just needed that cry, and didn't even know that I needed it. Um, But that's how the Holy Spirit um, showed up while we were there. And and I'm just thankful uh, for the students, uh, for the parents um, that partner and are willing to to send them, and then leaders like Kelly, um, Tony, and so many of them that are right back there teaching right now, like um, George and Cody and Evelyn and and Jim, um, who just love on your children um, every time they get a chance. And and, uh, your children need to see that um, in the world that they're growing up in. So we thank God for it. Um, As we... uh, Sort of transition this morning. We're actually going to do a soft transition because, you know, uh, God really brought this all together. Um, I believe the last time I preached was November 6th. That may be a Sunday. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But that's the date that's, that's in my mind right now while I'm thinking about it. But I, I preached about um, engaging the culture and how do we actually go out and engage the culture around us. Um, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a review of that in case you were not here. Um, but I'll tell you, God sort of lined up this message this morning because. Um, I preached on that and pretty much right after I was done. My wife and I went away for a few days um, just to sort of rest our, our minds and our bodies. And um, I'm not a big reader. I listen to uh, mostly audiobooks. I took actually two hardcover books with me. Um, and I read two books while I was gone, for, which for me is like a miracle in itself. Um, so I read uh, The Accountable Man and then Counterculture. So I had just preached on engaging the culture. I read counterculture. And then I'm standing up there and I'm reading what these students are putting up. And I was like, all right, God, I get it. Um, and he put this on my heart. And then I get back and I'm like, hey, you know, Pastor Gary, we could share what the students want if you like. And I also have a message that I've already started putting together. But I could share it at any time. And he's like, how about this Sunday? And I was like, okay, Lord, I get it. So um, those things don't just happen to come together that way. Um, God had a very specific purpose. So a few weeks ago, November, right, we're talking about engaging the culture. We talked about Paul, and he gave us a model, all right? He gave us a communication model, an interaction model to go effectively do this. And I'm just going to jog your memory a little bit on this, okay? Keep in mind he is in Athens. And, but he uses this specific formula over and over again when you talk about interaction and communication. One, first, he knows God's truth, okay? He knows the truth, and he's able to speak to it and live by it. He has the Holy Spirit that lives inside of him. Third, he was constrained by God's love. So he wasn't heavy-handed. He wasn't going to bash you over the head. He wasn't going to tell you what you should be doing, you sinners. He was going to actually uh, make inroads with you first. But he always came to a confrontation, which we'll talk about in a second, with his communication method. He was jealous for God's love. He always was so jealous to a point where he was like, I want you to know God. I want to show God how much I love him. I love my Lord so much. But he wanted you to experience that same love. As communication method, he had a general observation. He always observed the world around him, right? I'm not going to be conformed by the world, but I'm going to observe it because I need to interact in the world around me. There was always a religious conversation. He would seek out uh, the believers, Jews and Gentiles. And then after that, he would go to the pagans and the non-believers. There was always an intellectual comprehension with Paul. He always um, just understood the world around him so he could engage, and he could do it in an intellectual way. And then there's where the rubber meets the road. There was the pointed confrontation where he would say, you know what, we're going to confront the issues we have in front of us here. And we're going to do it lovingly with truth. And then there was always a gospel presentation and then an invitation. So that's what we talked about a few weeks ago. But today I want to dive a little deeper and talk about how do we actually uh, counter the culture around us. And one of the books I read while I was um, Gone a couple weeks ago was Counterculture by David Platt, and some of the um, statistics uh, drove uh, came from that book, but I also went out and made sure that they were still accurate because that was a couple of years ago. Um, but a couple of questions that sort of kick us off this morning. You know, as we think about culture, right, and what is culture today, and how does culture shape us, and do we, do we bend to the culture around us, and things like that, some things I want us to think about is um, too often, Christians pick and choose what things within the culture they want to spend time sort of combating. And I'm purposely using the word combat, and we'll come back to that in a second. But pur- purposely say, hey, these are the things I want to be passionate about. Right? Listen, look very carefully at the words I'm using. These are the things I want to be passionate about. These are the things in the culture that I feel like I can go move and shake and change. So that's what I'm going to spend time on. You know, let's take a look this morning at what. Jesus specifically said about the world and how the world will treat us as we stand up to the culture around us. If you could turn to John chapter 15, we're going to read verses 19 through 21. John chapter 15, 19 through 21. See, I think, the, I think Jesus himself in the Bible, um, he makes it abundantly clear um, that picking and choosing and, and saying, hey, well, this, you know, these is, this is where I'll spend my time, energy and effort, but not over here. I think he made abundantly clear um, that what we are called to do. But let's take a look at his word and see what he says about it this morning. If you could stand out of reverence and respect to the reading of God's word, John 15, 19 through 21. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they would also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you and for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just ask that you would bless the reading of your holy word in your house this morning. Lord, I just ask that the words that come out of my mouth are your words. And that whatever message, whatever it is that you're trying uh, to just lay on everyone's hearts in this room, that's laid in the most perfect way, your way, Lord. Lord, we just thank you and love you for being able to come to you right now with great expectations. And we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, again, thinking about some of these words that are used here, right? So if we go down to 19 and it says, Therefore the world hates you. Um, and then it says, If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my namesake, because they do not know him who sent me. I don't know about you, but who, who raised your hand the last time that you really enjoyed being hated. Yeah. Um, but what does he say? The world is going to hate us. Okay? Now let's talk about the word persecution for a second. See, I think this word gets thrown around a lot today. And um, I hear people say a lot of things like, well, in Amer- at least in America we're not persecuted. Um, at least I can go out and I can share my faith and I'm not, I'm not persecuted. Well, what's the definition of persecution? I think that's a question we need to ask this morning. Because, see, I think that the culture has redefined the word persecution. We define persecution as in, hey, if I'm in a third world country and I say I love Jesus, I may get shot. Now, is that persecution? Absolutely. But I actually want to take a look at persecution a little differently this morning. Let me read out the definition to you. Hostility and ill treatment, especially because of race or political or religious beliefs. Hostility and ill treatment, especially because of race or political or religious beliefs. Now, we talked about this last time, but I see and hear about Christians all the time. who say, hey, I want to share the gospel but I I just don't feel like I can because it's not accepted. I can't share the gospel at work because actually there will be repercussions. I can't share the gospel in school because my teachers tell me that that's actually not allowed. It's against school policy. I don't know about you, but I hear a lot of um, Christians that say, I can't share the gospel because of fear. What it says right here, hostility and ill treatment. If you're fearing for your employment... If you're fearing for suspension from school or something may happen to you, and the only time that you're sharing the gospel is in these four walls of this church or in your home, I don't know about you, but that feels like persecution to me. So I would actually like to stop saying that we're not persecuted. And let's actually be truthful, because that's what God calls us out to be. But let's not stop there this morning. Because the question is, what are we actually going to do about it? Um, If we're all in agreement so far that, yes, if we follow the world, okay, we're going to look like the world. If we follow Jesus Christ, the world's going to hate us. Pretty simple. A lot lot of what we're going to talk about this morning is actually really simple. We've just distorted it. We've gone and twisted it. And we're going to try to make it this morning as simple as we can. Because we're going to find that God's Word actually is very simple. So one of the things I think we have to do, though, is that we do have to not only engage culture... But we have to be ready to counter it. At any moment, we have to be ready to counter the culture around us. This morning, we're going to talk about some of the things. And we could spend all day. We could be here. In fact, we could probably be here all week, okay, and talk about all the things in our culture that are going on. But we're just going to focus on a few this morning, and we're going to talk about them very honestly, talk about what God's Word says, and talk about what I feel is the one thing missing, the one thing that's missing that can move each one of these that can counter them in our culture to get us going with that we're going to watch a video if you guys could roll that please
3: we
2: are surrounded in the world by rampant immorality 130,000 babies were aborted today
3: sex trafficking 58 billion dollar industry worldwide Some cultures abusing distinctions between male and female, other cultures ignoring
2: distinctions between male and female.
0: Over a billion people live and die in desperate poverty.
2: Though I would like to insulate myself from these statistics, they represent realities. James says,
0: There's no mercy in your life toward the orphan and the widow if you're living according to the ways of this world. And if you don't
3: have a tight rein on your tongue, your religion is a sham. It's worthless. We must speak clearly and biblically and boldly on these things.
2: A global, God-exalting, passionate idealism is exactly what is needed in the Church of Christ today. We can't know this king and be silent about this king. We're compelled to live out our faith in him, to apply our convictions from him in every facet of our lives. It may cost us at work. It may cost us in our community. It may cost us according to government, but we obey Christ regardless of what it costs because we fear God more than we fear men. Let's live differently than the world around us. Let's turn things upside down because we want his gospel to spread to the nation. We want
3: its glory more than we want life itself.
0: To turn things upside down, I really think the only way that we're actually going to be able to go out and change any of these things in our culture is to turn things upside down. And let's talk about what that really means. So today when we go out and we think about culture, right, how do I engage or counter the culture? There's sort of four things I'll bucket everything in this morning and the way we react. The first one is uh, is that we conform to the culture around us. Uh, We see something going on. We feel like this is accepted. Uh, Maybe in the workplace, this is what's okay. This is what everybody else is doing, and we'll do the same thing. And a very simple example of this uh, may be that after work on a Friday evening, that everybody is going for drinks, and they've asked you five, six, seven, eight times, and you're always the one to say no. But this one time you feel like, you know what, everybody else is going, and I'll go too. But see, what happens now? Now, that's your choice. But what happens many times when we go and conform to the world? How many times can one drink turn into three drinks, turn into six drinks? How many times maybe you're not even the one drinking, but the people across from you are and they're intoxicated now they have a choice to drive home. We all know that that is the world that we live in. That is the culture that's all around us. And we can conform to it. Number two is that we just check out. We just say, you know what? These problems are way too big for me. I know somebody else is on them. I know God has them. You know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm, I'm going to love the Lord. But I'm going to do it here in church because this is where I feel safe. And I'm going to do it at home with my family and I'm going to share Christ with all my might with my family because that's where I feel safe and secure. I'm not going to go out and share the gospel outside of those two places. We check out. Sometimes we come back. I see way too much of this on social media. We go out and say, you know what, I'm going to be antagonistic and defensive and I'm going to tell you what your opinion should be because I know better than you do. And I'm going to to be combative and I'm going to combat you into believing the gospel. And we all know in our hearts and hearts, heart of hearts, that that will never work. And all we're likely doing is proving that person's point that you're all those Christians. And then number four is we counter We engage the culture around us and we actually have a gospel presentation that shows this person that there is so much of a better way. And that's Jesus Christ. You know, we say the word culture. Like, what what are we really talking about? And again, we could could go down this list of all these cultural items. Simply, I want you to think about it like this. That was God's way. And then man said, you know what, I have a better way. And over time, we've just twisted it. And now... This is our new culture, and this is what we should live by. And many of those things have become such a part of our fabric that we don't even notice them anymore. We don't even question them. They just pass by us like speeding cars, and all we see is the blur of sin that goes by us, not even asking them to stop so we can share the gospel with them. First, let's talk about poverty, talk about the poor. The poor that are all around us. Now, that sounds like something we could all get behind, right? That sounds like something America get behind. We're going to end poverty. We're going to help the poor. You know, when I think about specific people that Jesus called out and said, here, here, here is who you need to care for. Orphans and widows. Again, I think that's. It seems like that's pretty popular, right? Like, I think... As America and as this church, we could get behind that. And I think we could be very purposeful in saying, hey, you know what, in 2017, when we think about our ministries and what what we should be making sure that our ministries are caring for, they should care for widows and orphans because Jesus called out to do that. Let's talk about the culture for a second for both. We have a culture that, to be honest, takes a blind eye to a lot of poverty. I mean, we just have Black Friday, right? Show on the news Friday evening, Saturday morning, see people with black eyes and bloody noses because they couldn't stop to get to the next Xbox One because God knows their kid needs that on Christmas morning. Now, again, I go back to there's one answer to all of one answer, and that's the gospel. Because he, many times, in, in back a few years ago, I probably see that and think, oh, those people are crazy, or what's wrong with those people? Now, every time I see it, I'm talking every time I see it, I say to myself, I wonder if that person has ever been shared the gospel. I wonder if they know the gospel. I wonder if they know it or are just not living it. I wonder if they're making a conscious choice to say, you know what, I know God, I know I know His riches and His blessings, but you know what, I'm still going to choose to go this way anyway. You know, what about marriage? Marriage is pretty simple in its definition by God. But it's something that we have gone, and again, our culture has twisted it around the world. You know, people ask themselves today, and I talk to to young people who actually ask these questions. Do I really need to get married? Is it really beneficial? Why can't I just have kids by myself? Well, some of us in this room are praying for saying, why would somebody ask that question? maybe it's because more than 50% of children in America today only have one parent. Or more than 50% of, divorce, of weddings end in divorce. We have 20 and 30-something-year-old young men who are just extenuating uh, their adolescence. And why is that? We, so many of those issues I just mentioned came up in the campaign over and over again. But see, I think all of them had the wrong answer. The answer is, is that all those people don't have the gospel. God has told us and created us to work. We enjoy working. But so many people have not been showed and taught that. So the 30-year-old young man enjoys the fact that he has no responsibility and is not working. The young woman says it's okay that I'm married, or that I'm not married, and that I'm having a child. Maybe my third or fourth child. And some by even different men. See, the situations may be different, but the answer is the same. Do they know the gospel? Gay marriage, of course, is being defined and redefined by our government and our legislatures. But isn't it really simple if we really think about it? God created man from dust, took his rib Created woman. Why did he do that? Because he looked at everything, and there was only one thing that wasn't good, and that was man who was by himself, who was alone. And he knew that he needed to give him a partner the most perfect partner that could complete him, that they could multiply. And from there, he created the union. And of course, we could jump into what Jesus says about Christ in the church, and we could talk more about that. But again, I just want to make this very simple this morning. Right there, God gave us the perfect. Explanation and understanding of marriage, but see, we ne- we don't we need to not get confused this morning and get things twisted. That all of this is destroying the family. It's not just destroying. So many times we bubble everything to one issue. Let's just only, this morning let's only focus on marriage. Let's only focus on gay marriage. Let's only focus, no. Let's focus on the gospel. Let's focus on that there are millions of lost people out there this morning. And the reason that they are living with all this sin, that they believe within our culture that not only it's okay, but it's encouraged and it's all right and they don't know the truth, is because they don't understand, they don't live, and no one has shared with them the gospel. Talk about how it's destroying families. You heard, saw in the video the abortions. 42 million abortions occurring every year. $130,000 or $30,000 every single day. Now again, I want to make this very simple for us this morning. If I had a newborn baby right up here who was just born five seconds ago, I think we would all agree on two points. One, that's a baby. And two, if someone committed homicide, that would be murder. I don't think any of us would dispute that. But if I could just back that clock up a few minutes... It wouldn't be murder. It would still be a baby. But it wouldn't wouldn't be murder. With the destruction of the family and the lack of gospel truth spreading around our world, this is what happens over and over again. But again, it's our culture. And we've been to it and we accept it. Now I want to bring something to you this morning because some of this we saw coming and we sat on the sidelines we didn't engage culture. Others of it we weren't really sure how to engage culture. And when it seems like the culture is just all stacking up on top of you, what do you say and what do you do? I want to tell you about something that's happening right now in our country. And see, we have a chance right now to do something about it before we get to these places where our government says, hey, we've instituted a law. All right? And something, when I first say it, you might seem a little puzzled, but it's slavery. Because, see, there's never been more slaves in the world than there is in 2016. 27 million people are in slavery, many of those being sex slaves. Now, how do we justify this? How can this happen? See, we look around all these other countries, and we actually go there, and we say, well, you know, it's it's their culture. Like, I've heard Christian Jews, well, it's their culture. Yes, that's the reason why. But is it okay? Because, see, what they'll say is that this young man or this young woman or or boy or little girl, we're giving them a better life. We're putting a roof over their head. Sometimes we're giving them an education. Isn't that better? Isn't this better to live this life than to be on the streets? And they justify it. And we're okay with that. Now, I want you to pause for a second. Now, if you don't think this is happening in the United States, it absolutely is. In the city of Atlanta, Georgia, these activities, these illegal activities, bring in $290 million every single year. $290 million. How long before we start justifying this behavior the same way that they are in other places? And in fact, I think if you go to some states, you already see that in certain ways they are. Why? Why is all this happening all around us? What are we going to do about it? Again, I go back to some of the popular issues. I mentioned earlier poverty and slavery. My guess is that as a church, and I mentioned this earlier, if as a church we stood up and said, you know what? No more poverty, no more slavery. As a church, we're going to stand up against those two things. That's a message everybody in America could get behind. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. And I'm not saying those aren't extremely important. But what I am saying this morning is that we can't sit there and go, well, those are the popular things. Those are the easy ones. Those are the ones everybody can get behind. So those are the things we should go after. What about abortion? What about the sanctity of marriage? We can't continue to say within our culture here at our church that we'll create our own culture or bend to the culture that is all around us. See, I don't want you to confuse my passion this morning for anger. I'm not angry at all. What I am is I'm focused and I'm motivated. And I'm ready to say, you know what? I want to share the gospel with every speeding car that goes by me. Because in my busy life, that's what everybody seems to be like sometimes. Is another speeding person. How many times when somebody says, hello, good morning, how are you? And what do you say back? You don't say, I'm doing fine. You say, hello, good morning, how are you? And no one actually answers either question. Okay, I don't know about you, but that's my greetings to most people. I actually want to be able to stop and be like Paul and spend time with real people talking about real issues and actually get down to what is the gospel. I want to have a confrontation, even with the ugliest things that we have in our world today. And then I want to share the gospel, and I want there to be an invitation. Going back to John 15, 19-21, it says, If you were of the world, and the world would love its own, yet because you are not of the world... But I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who don't know God. They don't know Him. They don't know what you have. They haven't shared what you've shared. What we can't do is we cannot run out of this building every Sunday and say, well, you know what? I'm going to conform. I'm going to check out. Or I'm going to come back. We need to leave here saying, I am going to counter. And I'm going to do it by sharing the gospel. You know it's uh, many of the things that I shared this morning. I know that I, I stuck to the simple truth, because honestly, it's, it's the way I like to operate. I like to just focus on God has given a simple truth. It's not complicated. But I also know that many of you may have been touched by many of the things that we've talked about this morning. In, in your world in your life, it may be really complicated. But one thing is true no matter how complicated or difficult your story may be. And that is Jesus saves. The gospel saves. And if we can go out and share the gospel with a broken, fallen world, how many of our brothers and sisters will know him?